Well, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and thank you, Jesus. Well, it's around that time right here on KAZ Radio, where I have one of my most favorite shows, none other than the Lady Parablist with Deborah A. Wright. How you doing, Parablist? I'm wonderful. Um, like I always say, Friday at 2 o'clock is one of the favorite times of my week because I get to share some stories with you. The name of this show is called Just Telling My Stories. So even if you're at work, you don't have to listen to it now because KAZ Radio TV Podcast has it set where you can listen any time of day or night. So don't get in trouble not working when you're supposed to be working. But this show is sponsored by D.A. Wright & Associates, who has 30 years of preparing taxes and accounting for your small business. We specialize in those businesses that haven't done taxes for a few years. So take the fear out of getting caught up with your IRS problems and let us help you. We're in Euclid, Ohio, 27801, Euclid. Suite 454, and the phone number is 216-200-3160. So give us a call and rest easy at night, not worrying about your favorite uncle. Also, this show is also sponsored by Parablis Publishing House. What a better way to get your book published than to use a portion of your tax refund. So if you're interested in getting that book that you've been planning so you can just tell your story, give us a call again at 216-200-3160. Today, I'm um, going to be reading out of my very first book, Pew Poetry. I really wanted to kind of read some of the introduction because the introduction tells some of the history of how I got to be a parablist, how I got to be a storyteller. And it's not on my own. I owe it to God, of course, but I owe it to some of the church mothers in my church that I went to. It's quite often me and my children, uh, they're all grown now. We refer to some of the mothers and deacons in the church with fond memories of the things that they left us. Now, I'm one of the mothers of the church if our church had mothers, but um, when you do things, you have to be mindful of how many lives you can change over the years, even when you're long gone. Now, this introduction and pew poetry, and you can find it on Amazon.com, and my author name was Deborah Hester Wright on this book. Deborah Hester Wright, Pew Poetry. You can get your own copy. And this is wonderful if you're called upon at your church to do special readings or special poems. Just buy the book. And you can read them right out the book. It says, Introduction. Looking back over the years, I have such fond memories of some very creative and artistic people in my home church. I don't think any of them ever took a class in theater or voice, but God anointed them to make powerful impact as they willingly surrendered their talent for his glory. One of my favorite mothers, I had a lot of favorite mothers growing up, and this would have been in the 60s and 70s and 80s, but I remember Mother Varley Bryant, who was always encouraged us with her favorite poem, and I thought she wrote it for years because she did it so well, but um, Frank L. Stanton wrote the poem called Keep A Going, 
And some of the famous lines from this poem, and she would often quote, and the way she would do it is in the middle of a service or in the middle of something that was going on, she would just nonchalantly start quoting the poem and it would blend right into whatever was going on. And we got such joy every time she would say it. But it's so encouraging and it says, if you strike a thorn or a rose, keep it going. If it hails or if it snows, keep it going. Ain't no use to sit and whine when the fish ain't on the line. Just bait your hook and keep a trying and keep a going. And then she would go into some other things and she would skillfully weave her signature piece into any talk that she was giving. And even though we all knew that that was her signature talk and it would always be a challenge to figure out how she would incorporate it this time. Now during those years, our little church went through some hard times. The building was destroyed by flood and by fire twice. And many of the members worked at General Motors and suffered through those years of several layoffs and recessions over the years. And there were times during those years when Mother Bryant would further encourage us by saying, when the weather kills your crop, keep it going. Though it's hard to reach the top, keep it going. Suppose you out of every dime, getting broke ain't no crime. Just tell the world you're feeling fine and keep it going. And each and every time she would recite this poem, it was pure delight and encouragement for the church, and everybody was motivated to keep her going. I also want to acknowledge and remember Mother Niecy Walker. Mother Walker would sing her rendition of Jesus Met the Woman at the Well, as well as any Broadway performer. She had a strong, almost baritone kind of a voice, and we would listen intently as she would sing. She didn't need any music. She would make her music with her mouth and her different notes and things, and it was a joy to watch her sing that song. And what was so interesting about her and that song was that that story paralleled her story. You see, Mother Nisi Walker's story was well documented into our church's history. Elder Perry Robinson, our pastor, he met Mother Nisi Walker, an old friend in town one day. She shared, he shared with her how God had called him to start a church way outside of the town. <laughs> well, he started St. Paul Church of God in Christ in Mother Nisi Walker's small home. The very first members were her and her children. But you know that church grew steadily and eventually they built a building across the street where it still stands today. Now church historians note that Mother Walker was the only woman out there when they poured the concrete for that church. She could hold her own in a lot of different ways. Now that little church became well known throughout the city and people would tease Elder Robinson about his little mud church way out on Tobacco Road. <laughs> but you know when they wanted to have some show enough church and a time in the Holy Ghost, they could be found singing and shouting around that potbelly stove on Charles Street in Lansing, Michigan. I remember so many years when my Aunt Ruby Hester would read the church's history she so eloquently documented the history and passed it on from generation to generation. Now, another mother that influenced me in the things that I do today is Mother Doris Terry. 
Now, Mother Terry would make up her dramatic entrances and you would be having services and all of a sudden this older woman would come in and she would be in character and not necessarily costume, but she would really capture the audience's attention. And I guess that would probably be the first storyteller I ever remembered as growing up as a young child, or at least the first storytelling being utilized in a church service. But her powerful messages would compel people to come to Christ, compel people to get their lives right. And we really, really enjoyed that. Also, now all of this is in this small little church that they teased the mud church on Tobacco Road. We had Mother Jessie Richardson. Now, Mother Jessie Richardson had traveled all in Europe singing her, her gospel songs, and she was one of the first people I knew that had a record out. You know, there were records back then, not TDs. But there were so many mothers, including my own grandmother, Mother Mary Craig, that taught us how to use our gifts and talents for the service of God. Now, a lot of you know that I have another show with Lady Flo Duggar, and our show there is called Gifts to the Body. So for those of you that may wonder, why did she just come and tell stories, and why is she doing that? Because it's, part, it's utilizing my gift to the body of Christ. Now, here on the TV show, it's not exactly what I do when I go out to different places. I have performances, and you can stand up and move around and just last week, I did a performance at the Breen Center for the Cleveland Area Black Storytellers. And it, it's a lot more engaging. But even sitting here telling stories, it gets you a chance to just relax your mind. Remember when we were children, our parents would tell us stories, and it just stories take you away from a different place. And today, with so many problems and trials going on and um, as you know, I'm a stage four cancer survivor, and like I say often, the cancer is gone, but you still go through some different situations for quite a long time as your body begins to heal. And I thank God for that. But during that time, one of the things that I wanted most to do is for however long God gave me is to share my gifts and talents with people. Now, this is a story I wrote a long time ago, and it's called Quiet Time. Sometimes we just had to get by ourselves and just settle our minds from all of the hectic things going on in the world. And it's called quiet time. Sometimes with the fast pace of our world, we forget and overlook three very important people in our lives. Me, myself, and I. The other day, I overheard a conversation where me was talking to myself, complaining that I don't spend enough time with them. I thought about it. I realized that they were right. So I decided that me and I would go away on a little retreat just to get in touch with myself. We slipped away in solitude, me, myself, and I, just for the day. The time we spent together was so precious, laughing and talking and drinking fresh lemonade and tall fluted glasses as we reminisced about old times, old places, and old secrets. The sun was bright and shining and the rays trickled down gently, wrapping themselves around us, eagerly searching a way to slip into our souls. Once inside, the heat filled our innermost beings, warm and fuzzy, 
as though we could feel the sun smiling on the inside of us. We picked up pebbles and skipped them in the water, watching as the pebbles hopped and skipped and frolicked in the water, searching for the right time to stop and dive deep into the belly of the sea. As each pebble sank, rings of water slowly expanded, ring by ring outward towards us, and then disappeared, just as the pebble had seconds earlier. We took turns naming the pebbles. Fear, doubt, insecurity, unforgiveness, and in a fury threw them one by one out into the sea. Soon the last ring of water expanded quietly far beyond the horizon, and the water was clear. What well, It was so clear as though we could not only see our current reflection, but many reflections, years of reflections, layered upon each other, rising from the phantoms deep below the surface, each image mirroring the former, but changing slightly to form a newer, clearer, more focused one. Later on, we walked peacefully barefooted through the sands of yesterday. As we strolled along, swinging our arms, the warm sand oozed up between our toes, spilling over, rising warm and gentle from a place deep within. With each step, the sand rose like pleasant memories, inching to the top to be enjoyed and savored for the moment, afterwards destined slowly to settle back to their resting place until aroused yet another time. Towards the end of the day, we climbed the high peaks and looked over into tomorrow. From this height, as far as the eye could see, were peaks of promise and mountains of potential. The air at this level was cool and crisp and invigorating. We inhaled deeply, holding it, allowing the fresh, clean air to penetrate every nook and cranny of our lungs. Then we exhaled forcefully expelling the stale, stagnant air that had been trapped inside, hot, musty, nearly deplete of any life-revitalizing energy. The clean air drifted the inside of our walls, gently and methodically massaging life back into the layers so deprived. We spotted a waterfall twirling to the tune of its own music, we watched as the cool water danced lively, leaping on tiptoes, tossing and swirling like a crystal ballerina dancing in the spotlight of the sun. We refreshed ourselves from the mountain spring and started our journey back home. It was really amazing how renewed and revived we felt. It was as though we had been away on a far exotic journey but it was really just one day. At the end of the day, me, myself, and I smiled and agreed that we had spent time together and it was just what we needed. We made a commitment to ourselves that we would never, ever again get so wrapped up in the demands and pressures of the world that we would neglect to carve out time for three really important people. 
and that's me, myself, and I. With the weekend coming, we always say TGIF, thank God it's Friday, but if you're not careful, you would spend so much time on your Saturday and Sunday ripping and running that you're tired when Monday comes around. This week, just take a little bit of time for yourself. Take a long, leisurely stroll or long, leisurely bath. Because once you refresh yourself, that's when God can impart things into your spirit and your mind of things that he would have you to be doing. A lot of people talk about they don't know what their purpose is or why they're here. But we're not still enough long enough to listen to God. We have those things that we desire and that we want to do, but it's a nice weekend for you to possibly do your own vision plan or your own vision board and just sit and get reacquainted with yourself. Now, on today, I have another announcement at my church, St. James AME Church at 8401 Cedar. We're having family fun night, and it's free to the public. You can come and participate in a scavenger hunt, we have some of the couples. My church is notorious for having couples that have been married a long time. I think one of them is 70 years, 60 years, and, and that kind of thing. We have a newlywed game, probably not so newlywed, but we have a marriage game that you can participate in. And we have food and entertainment, and it's a nice time to come either by yourself or come with your children and your family and just get some me time or get some we time. And it's free. Again, that's St. James AME, 8401 Cedar, and it starts at 6 o'clock. Here's another um, poem that I wrote in 2002 about church benches. We know church pews can't talk, but... If they could, it'd probably be something like this. This is called the Local Union of Church Pews. Hi. No, no, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Uh-uh. It's just me, the church bench. You know, the first, fourth row from the back on the left-hand side? Yeah, you know the one that's almost always empty. Well, I've been sitting here for years silently. But you know, today I just can't take anymore. I need a little help. I got with the other pews and they elected me to speak. You see, week after week, we wait for Sunday morning and we get excited because perhaps this is a week that we'll get a visitor or two. Sadly enough, Another week comes and another week goes and no one rests his weary soul here. Now services start at 11 o'clock and we get excited around a quarter till. When 11 o'clock comes, we still don't get too discouraged, you know, because folk have to work, get to work on time all week, five days a week at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning. So on them Saturdays, if they don't get to the barbershop or the nail technician by 9 o'clock, it's a two-hour wait. So we understand. Sunday, it's the only day you get to take a little breather. So plenty of folk come strolling in around 1130. They figure it's just praise and worship. And besides, with those new shoes, if they come in late, they don't have to stand so long. After 11.30, we're a little less enthusiastic. But, but we don't give up hope, but we'd be happy to get a visitor. 
at least for the last half hour. I remember when we were at the sawmill and they had all kinds of lines of work. I, I could have been a park bench. I could have been a, a pub pew or a booth in a restaurant. But I chose to be a church pew because it was such a noble profession. But they didn't tell me that it could be so lonely. Now, depending on your seniority, a visitor every now and then is about all you can expect. Now, on Easter and Mother's Day, I look forward to that. We are all in demand on those days. It feels good. But the other 50 weeks, I sit here pretty much all by myself. Now, occasionally, somebody would throw a coat across my shoulder or place a Bible on my lap. Week in, week out, I hear the preacher tell the people, go out into the hedges and the highways and compel them to come. It must fall on deaf ears because week after week I sit here empty. Ain't no compelling going on around here. As a matter of fact, some of the most popular pews, you know, like second row right or first row left, have even experienced a decline. Even the back row, Hypocrite Alley, and Usher Row are only half full these days. Now, I talked to Brother Rickety. You know, third row left. He said the place used to always be jumping on Sundays. And he said through the week wasn't too bad either. He missed the good old days and longed to see it one more time before he retired. You could hear the creaking in his voice. He loved his job. Well, I decided I was going to go talk to some of my old buddies who chose different professions and see how they were doing. I talked to one of my old friends, Park Bench. Ooh, he had really aged. He had a couple of slats missing, and he had some kind of weird tattoos all over him. He called it graffiti. But he was happy. I asked him how was his Sunday business, he said, oh, it's never been better. Hmm. Then I ran across another buddy, Pub Pew. He was reeking with cigarette smoke and alcohol, and he said he was having the time of his life. And I asked him about his Sundays. He said, man, Sunday ain't too cool, but Saturday night is rocking. <laughs> well, I figured I'd better do something about my situation. I spoke with some of the other church pews and they all agreed. It's really a simple solution, but we need your help. Now, if each of you could just find it in your heart to bring just one extra person a week, all of us church pews could keep our jobs. Bring a neighbor, bring a friend, invite a stranger or next to kin. To see this place full would bless our hearts, but we all need you to do your part. I'm pleading with you because if business don't pick up for me, it could be back to the sawmill. Now you know what happens to old church pews. They make keychains or obscene lawn ornaments out of them. Or heaven forbid, or what not. Now, it's a noble profession, and on behalf of the local union of church pews,
We want to thank you in advance. Now y'all come back now and bring a friend. That was just something I wrote one time for church when we had our family unity day. This was back at that um, my church in Lansing, Michigan again. Um, also, I write plays and do things, but I just want to encourage people, like Flo says, with gifts to the body. We have all kinds of gifts in the body of Christ. Everybody's not a singer. Everybody's not a the best Bible school teacher or Sunday school teacher. Everybody's not good at working it with children, but there's something you can do to carry on the word of God and to encourage people. You can use poetry in your church. You know, you, you have good taste. You can use um, drama and theater and like Mother Doris Terry, just out of the blue, you know, sometimes people might have been falling asleep in the service or whatever. Now the pastor knew and the people on the program knew, but she would come out as a homeless person and she would give her testimony and talk about things. And sometimes when you do that shock effect, it gives people an opportunity to realize, okay, and they really listen to the word. I remember one time I was invited to go to a church and I was supposed to do the theme, um, the woman with the issue of blood. And so right before they were calling my name, I went into the back and I, I dressed up as a disheveled woman. And I literally, I was a lot younger than I literally crawled down the aisle doing my speech. And it was good in the fact that the people, I acted so well, they thought I was somebody off the street. But what scared me is that, okay, well, if I was somebody that crawled in off the street and sick and whatever and you thought that why you didn't help me or why you didn't call the police or anything but it wasn't until I did the last line of that piece saying that she touched the hem of his garment by the time I got to the front they realized it was a skit or it was a parable but it got people to get the message and often after that I would go across oh you're the lady that did the thing you're the lady they don't know exactly what it is but I didn't know what a parabolist was either until God told me I want you to go and be a bible storyteller and call yourself the par a parabolist but you can use parables because Jesus used parables himself a lot of the lessons that we enjoy and that we learn from the Bible are parables or stories. So maybe you're a parabolist. Maybe you're a storyteller. In Cleveland, we have the Black Association of um, Cleveland Area Black Association of Storytellers. And we have our meetings at the Caramel on every fourth Friday. So if you want to learn more about storytelling, and I'm going to have some workshops about storytelling, about telling your story either in a book, the publishing company can help you publish your book, or oral storytelling. Our tradition is to tell story, oral storytelling, that we can pass things on to our family. Also, when you pass a gospel message through a story, like the woman at the well or like the one about the cracked pot jumping off of the potters, a lot of people, their ears open to it. And once their ears open to the story, it what you're telling them can sink into their heart. And then they will begin to ponder and question the moral of that story. Well, it's really the truth of that story, but... Find a way that we can, you can, you personally can minister to people. 
I have another ministry where I go to the hospitals. Being a cancer survivor, right now, that's my primary spot I go to. I took teddy bears with little messages and a little bit of candy because you never know who can eat candy. But what was more important than the teddy bear and the candy was the message of hope, the message of encouragement. When I go to nursing homes, the message of hope and the message of encouragement. This year, I'm healing from the cancer, and I'll be traveling quite a bit. I'm scheduled to go to New Jersey. I'm scheduled to go to Atlanta, scheduled to go to Pennsylvania, and um, no, Pensacola, not Pennsylvania, and several places. So when you begin to walk in the calling that God has given you, it doesn't matter that he told you in 2002 you went around the world backwards and came back to it. Before you leave this world, Try to do the things that you came here for. It's not always going to end up in money or fame or anything. But when you leave, you will feel like I did what God gave me to do. So signing off again on another week of just telling my stories from KAZ Radio TV in Cleveland. This is Deborah A. Wright. Thank you. Please tag and share with your friends.